Listener Production. Hello and welcome to The Briefing. I'm Sasha Barbagat. Rumours started swirling earlier this month of an impending royal visit to Australia by King Charles and Queen Camilla in what will be their first real test of popularity and longevity down under. The issue of the Republic in Australia is not really whether you like or dislike a particular member of the royal family. Uh, it's whether they it makes sense for them to be head of state of Australia. While it hasn't been confirmed, both diplomatic and government sources have told news outlets that a tour is likely in October next year. We haven't played host to British royalty since 2018, when we saw both Charles and Camilla and Harry and Meghan, then working royals, head to Australia. Both visits proved popular enough, and support for the monarchy among Aussies increased last year following the death of the Queen. So, will a royal visit next year help or hurt the case for a republic? That fascinating chat with former PM Malcolm Turnbull coming up in the second half of today's episode. But first, let's get into today's biggest stories with Katrina Blowers. It's Wednesday, the 20th of December. Hey guys, well, Anthony Albanese has urged the world not to give up hope of a two-state solution which would recognise both Palestine and Israel as sovereign states. The Prime Minister making those comments in a speech to the Lowy Institute in Sydney overnight, during which he also reiterated Australia's position in supporting a ceasefire. Australia has broken ranks with the US on that issue as it continues to back Israel, but America has been court trying to balance its support while also calling for the prevention of civilian deaths in Gaza. Bit of a tricky position there. So it comes as Israeli forces raid one of the last functioning hospitals in the north of Gaza, while the south was bombarded by airstrikes killing 28 Palestinians. Yeah, and the other development we've seen uh, overnight, Katrina, is around the Red Sea. So the US and a number of other nations are creating this new force in order to protect ships transiting the area that have found themselves under attack by drones and ballistic missiles fired from Houthi-controlled areas of Yemen. So that part of the world is uh, really important to global trade, 12% of it passes through the area. So Australia uh, has been approached to provide a warship, uh, but that is being considered by the Australian government, but they, they haven't offered it up yet. The final evidence has now been heard in the Bruce Lehrman defamation case with court to break today before hearing closing arguments tomorrow. The former Liberal staffer is suing Channel 10 and Lisa Wilkinson claiming his reputation suffered damage when they aired claims by Brittany Higgins that she was raped by a colleague at Parliament House. Uh, Lerman denies those allegations. The final day of evidence heard the rest of Fiona Brown's testimony. Now, Fiona Brown is the former chief of staff for Linda Reynolds. And she told the court that she felt her boss and a second minister were covering for themselves when they urged her to make a police report. The other evidence that was heard yesterday in court was from a lip reader, Katrina, who was actually flown in from the UK, having analysed footage from the bar Higgins and Larriman had been drinking at on the night of the alleged incident. His name's Tim Reedy, and he testified that Larriman had been plying Higgins with drinks, telling her to, quote, drink it all now, to which she replied, I don't want to. Now, there was an issue with whether this evidence could be admitted as part of the case, but Justice 
Michael Lee did allow it, uh, but he told the court lip reading isn't an exact science. And if you're trying to plan your outfits or, you know, whether to put the slip and slide out on the big day, Christmas Day we're talking about, um, it's looking like a bit of a mixed bag of weather right across Australia. There's the potential for rain and cool attempts if you're living in eastern Australia and sunshine if you're in the south or the west. So people were hoping that one of the few benefits of El Nino was a warm and sunny December 25. Uh, you're going to be disappointed if you live in Sydney, Canberra, Melbourne and Brisbane. Those capitals are expected to get showers, some humidity, temps in the mid to late 20s. Uh, Brizzy is going to swelter. It's going to crack 30 degrees. So I think that's the case for the slip and slide right there. Uh, Darwin will also get rain, but that's pretty much a guarantee in the top end at this time of year. El Nino or not? Yes, the slip and slide debate is is the big one. Um, you're going to be happy, though, if you're in <laughs> Adelaide. Uh, it's going to be dry, but it will be kind of mild, a predicted top of 24. Not too bad. Hobart, though, those poor people down south in Tassie, a top of 20, a possible shower. That's not really Christmas, is it? 20 is hot for Hobart, let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Um, Perth is where you want to be. So partly cloudy, tops up to 35, definitely the pick of the crop. Uh, and also... Anyone heading to the Boxing Day test at the MCG, the clouds will be clearing for a top of 25, which I think is actually perfect cricket observing weather because you don't want it to be too hot when you're at the ground because, I mean, for me personally, I can't think of anything worse than sitting in a stand in 35 degree heat. 25, absolutely perfect. Yeah, and perfect too. You know, I think most places around the country are going to be perfect for lying on your couch and either ignoring the cricket, which is what I do. I find it so, you know, um, I guess it goes for such a long time. <laughs> I'm going to say it lulls me into a bit of a stupor while I'm eating leftover ham and drinking whatever's left of the, from the day before. So yeah, perfect cricket, either watching or ignoring weather on Boxing Day. <laughs> yeah. And um, something I wanted to point out as well is, you know, for me, I know I was going, oh, it's an El Nino year. We're going to have great weather over Christmas and New Year. But there's actually an opposing climate driver, which is taking precedence over El Nino. And it's called SAM or Southern Annual Mode. Uh, and that's pushing up from Antarctica. And that is expected to persist into early January. So we do actually see high impact rain events uh, during El Nino. It's not uncommon, but we will still likely see lower than average rainfall overall when looking at the whole year. So there you go. There's your Chrissy Day and Boxing Day forecast. Uh, mixed bag, like we said. But yeah, if you're busy eating, you know, you're inside, stay in the air con or, you know, put out the slip and slide, as we said. Thanks, Katrina, for joining us this morning. Now let's get into my chat with former PM Malcolm Turnbull about whether a royal visit next year could hurt or help Australia's case for a republic. Is Australia ready for another referendum? Ask the ordinary Aussie and they'd probably tell you no way following the defeat of the voice to parliament barely two months ago. 
But it's something the government is clearly considering, having appointed an assistant minister for the Republic in Matt Thistlethwaite when Anthony Albanese took power in 2021. Of course, that was before the failed yes vote. While it's unlikely we'll see any real discussion of a Republic referendum before the next election, talk among groups both for and against the move is certain to increase when we're once again graced by the presence of royalty. I'm speaking today with former Prime Minister and leader of the failed 1999 vote to cut ties with the monarchy, Malcolm Turnbull. Malcolm, thanks for joining me. Look, this potential visit by Charles and Camilla will be their first test of popularity down under, really. Do you think they'll pass? Look, I think they're very well regarded. I don't think there's any great uh, antagonism or antipathy to Charles and Camilla as individuals, as people. The issue of the Republic in Australia is not really whether you like or dislike a particular member of the royal family. Uh, It's whether they, it makes sense for them to be head of state of Australia. And one thing you can say without any doubt about both Charles and Camilla, charming people though they are, is that they are both very English and they are not Australian. But Royal visits do have the capacity to impact how Australians feel about becoming a republic. Talk us through previous examples and visits and public sentiment around the British royal family in Australia. Do you think that'll have an impact on the argument for and against becoming a republic? Look, I don't think it'll have a big impact, to be quite honest. The the real question, again, as I say, is not whether Charles and Camilla are charming people. It's got nothing to do with them personally. The issue is our head of state should be an Australian. And when Charles and Camilla come and visit us or their successors, they should do so in their capacity as head of state of the United Kingdom. I mean, who do you think Charles barracks for in a a test match? I mean, for heaven's sake, I mean, his day job, his real job is head of state of the United Kingdom. The role that he has in our constitution is a historical anachronism. It's, uh, you know, it's left over from a time well over 100 years ago when Australia was not an independent country, when Australia was a subordinate part of the British Empire. And the fact that the British monarch was our head of state represented not some sort of symbolic connection, but the real actual superior power of London over this subordinate, uh, albeit self-governing, dominion. Let's talk about uh, the Albanese government then. The voice referendum obviously didn't go the way that Anthony Albanese wanted it to go. I wonder, has it kind of burned Labor's opportunity to argue for a republic and to hold a public vote? Do you think any time soon is going to be too soon to have another referendum? That's a good question. Uh, I think you clearly don't want to have a referendum unless you are very confident that you can win it. Now, I always thought the voice would go down. I warned against putting it to a referendum in 2016 and 2017, and I think it was a mistake to put it to a referendum, but once Albanese decided to do so, I voted for it and supported it, as did Lucy. But The difference with the voice was you did not need to change the constitution to have an Indigenous voice, that's to say a, you know, representative body composed solely of Indigenous Australians and elected or chosen solely by Indigenous Australians. The fundamental mistake was made 
you know, when the Indigenous leadership insisted on this being put in the Constitution. It was an absolutely fundamental error. Uh, the Labor Party went along with that, which was very respectful, but they burnt a huge amount of political capital in doing so and it's a lose, lose, lose. It has nothing good has come out of that referendum, I'm afraid. Mm. Now, your question, does that mean that a republic referendum won't get up? Well, Sasha, all referendums are hard. You know, there's I think now 47 have been held and only eight have been successful. They're very hard. So in 1999, the main reason we lost was because there were a lot of Australians who said, we support a republic, but we think the president should be directly elected by the people rather than chosen by a bipartisan two-thirds majority of parliament. And these so-called direct electionists campaigned against the Republic and said, vote no and you'll get another chance to vote for a different model in a few years' time. Well, that was 24 years ago. (laughs) So they just absolutely played into the hands of the monarchists. But people can do really dumb things in politics and they can allow the perfect to be the enemy of the good. We should ask people whether, if we were to become a Republic, whether they would want the president to be chosen directly in an election or indirectly by a bipartisan majority of parliament. There are legitimate arguments on both sides, but I think we've got to thrash that out first and then, having made a decision, you then make the necessary constitutional amendments to reflect that choice and that's then the model that you put up in the referendum and then I think you've got a real chance of success. Mm, Yeah, bringing the Australian people along the journey rather than kind of throwing the question out and saying, this is what we're doing, vote yes or no. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, and and you see, you've got to remember that not everybody is a constitutional expert. So if you want them to pay attention to an issue, a constitutional issue, then you've got to make sure you go to great lengths to bring them along and engage them. And I think that idea of a plebiscite on the mode of election is absolutely the best thing. I mean, look how effective the same-sex marriage vote was in ending the controversy over that issue. There's nothing like a 62% majority. And you can say to people, look, I understand you don't think this is a good idea. I understand you, you know, you're upset by it or whatever. But you know what? We live in a democracy. And if 62% say yes, then... You know, we've got to go along with it. You know, that's the rules of the game. I think the same-sex marriage plebiscite, you're right, it really drew a line under the issue. It almost there's no discussion of it anymore, as there shouldn't be, in my opinion. Uh, it was a no-brainer, that plebiscite, and my answer to that question. And it was nice to see such a strong majority come out. And I think that's what we'd need for a republic vote to feel solid, I suppose. And your suggestion of saying, well, let's bring the people along on the journey is a clear way to achieve that. Obviously, you've thought a lot about this. Uh, You have very strong feelings. When do you think we'll become a republic? I said back in 99 that if we vote no, this issue will not become live again until after the end of the Queen's reign. I was hoping hoping I'd be proved wrong, but I I wasn't. So (laughs) I've proved right there. Um, I think it's a question of timing. I mean, the government, the Labor government will be feeling really burnt after the voice vote. This this has damaged them a lot. 
you know, a lot of people are blaming the Labor Party for the low vote and the voice, which I think is unfair. I think it was always going to go down. It's just a question of how, by how much. You know, they, there'll be people who'll be saying, hang on, should, we should just be focusing on the bread and butter, cost of living, housing affordability, the economic issues that uh, affect people's daily lives. So I guess there's going to be a lot of political judgment in it uh, and you've also got to be able to sell it. Somebody in the government, generally that's the Prime Minister, has got to be able to make a compelling case as an advocate. I was hoping you'd be able to give us a date there as a date range as to when <laughs> well, we might I see it. Well, I would say, okay, well, all right, I'll give you a date. I'll give you a date. I reckon the earliest date mm-hmm. is assuming the Labor Party is returned in either in as a majority or minority government in 2025, probably at this stage you'd say more likely to be a minority government, I would think the earliest date this would happen would be, say, 26, but it obviously could be later. And it, But it, there will be hard heads in the Labor Party who will be saying, you know, the voice referendum cost the nation a lot of money. It was not a good outcome. Why run the risk with the Republic again? I think the question is going to be one of leadership, advocacy and above all of making sure that the question of direct versus parliamentary appointment is decided beforehand. The one thing we learned from 99 is you can't fight a war on two fronts. Well, Malcolm Turnbull, as always, uh, an insightful chat. 2026, you heard it here first. We're going to be heading to the polls again (laughs) in a referendum. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much, Sasha. That was my chat with Malcolm Turnbull. And now he doesn't think that Charles and Camilla heading down under is going to have much of an impact on the talk for a republic. I disagree. I reckon when royals come down under or when something big happens with them, that's when everyone starts asking, should we be independent? Do we really want these people in charge of us? Time will tell. And whether Charles and Camilla head to Australia next year is yet to be formally confirmed, uh, but we'll see. And yeah, 2026 referendum, Malcolm Turnbull said it. So we'll wait for that. Listener.